You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 4, covering The Naked Time and The Enemy Within. And here we are once again. On this show that we do. Yep. One of the many shows that we do. Yep. Part of the podcasting empire that is us. It started as one and we're working towards a cluster now. <laughs> that's that's a whole other thing. The cluster is, a, is an entirely different thing. <laughs> um, this week we are reviewing uh, The Naked Time and The Enemy Within. So, mm-hmm. uh, Matt, The Naked Time is yours, so take it away. Okay, so... We have Spock and Ensign Moron inspecting a doomed planet. Uh, nobody's sure entirely what killed the planet or the people on it. So Spock and Ensign dumb shit are ex- are wearing biohazard suits, like sort of big. Yeah, first over- time we've ever seen them in suits. I mean, first time. It's only like the fourth yeah. episode. But uh, it's cool seeing them in suits. The suits weren't really well designed, but it was at least an effort to make it look like, okay, we mm-hmm. don't always beam down unprotected. That was cool. Yeah. So... Spock wanders off to go check some stuff. Meanwhile, Ensign, what the fuck is fucking wrong with you? <laughs> takes his fucking glove off so he can scratch his nose under his hood. Now, we have a planet that we know killed everyone on it. The whole entire planet is being destroyed. And this moron takes off his glove so he can scratch himself. So, of course, he becomes infected with Rattler Syndrome. I don't think that's what it was actually called, Matt. No, I call it that because every time it infects someone, you hear a snake go, This is true. So, they go back to the ship, and it start, uh, and Rattler Syndrome begins spreading across the crew. Uh, Enterprise is orbiting the planet. They're still inspecting it, and the planet is physically disintegrating. So as it's becoming smaller and smaller, uh, the Enterprise has to compensate her orbit to make sure she doesn't crash into the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ensign dumb shit becomes Ensign paranoid delusional shit. Uh, starts freaking out in the canteen, and he pulls a knife on Sulu and his, and his Irish friend. Uh, he goes to the sick bay and dies. Sulu goes crazy, rips his shirt off, greases himself down, and has a naked sword adventure in the hallway. <laughs> and the Irish guy, whose name is Riley, goes fuckwit crazy and takes over the ship for the good of Ireland. <laughs> really? So the ship's under control of a complete maniac. It's about to crash into the planet. Spock, Spock starts starts pining for his mother. Kirk tries to dry hump the ship, and Chapel tries to dry hump Spock. <laughs> and then Bones finds a cure. Everyone gets saved, and they go back in time for some reason. For some reason, <laughs> the end. I should note um, when I when I read description. This is one of those I read descriptions of for years and years. And uh, if I saw it, I don't remember it. I remember hearing that the episode ended with them discovering time travel, and I thought, really, they got out of it by going back and making sure it never happened? But no, that's not what happened at all. No, it they was, just... It was a byproduct of, of something they were doing with the warp engines, and they leapt back in time. It didn't relate to anything else that was happening. Yeah, it was also Scotty doing his first, like, well, I can't do that. It's physically impossible. Oh, no, no, wait, no. I did it. I cannot change the laws of physics. Yes, thank you. I've been keeping count of uh, certain recurring lines. I believe we have our second He's Dead Jim in this episode. 
Um, what else? I'm trying to uh, trying to think. I, I I don't remember if it was in this one or, or the other one, but there's um there's a there's a bit in one of the two episodes where uh, Spock for the second time in four episodes says, uh, "For once, I agree with you, Doctor." You'll go on to say that over a billion times. Yeah, it it really kind of loses its impact if he keeps, you know, agreeing with him for once. For once, Doctor, I agree with you. You always agree with me. You you green-blooded hobgoblin. (laughs) So, yeah, there's, um... There's there's not a lot going on in this episode. However, there's an awful lot going on in this episode. <laughs> we we've talked a lot about how about like Star Trek being scary. This is one of the first ones where it was just bug nut crazy. It was, and I think it would have had a little more impact if you'd gotten to know the characters better before you saw them acting out of character. Mm-hmm. But I still think you get a, the basic idea. I mean, you you get uh, like you say, Kirk trying to fuck his ship, as you put it. Uh, like like seriously, like I know that he loves his ship, and it's like the most important thing for him. But when he gets on to when he gets the disease, he's just writhing around in this room, like talking to it, and it's like, I'll never leave you. I can never be alone with you. Oh yeah, and and just to, just so people are clear, we're not projecting what we know about the character on this. He says no. at one point. Uh, there's a reason they call it she Spock. Like he's he says it. He's he he directly says grind that, an uh, exhaust port. <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, Scotty's got to go unplug that exhaust port. Yeah. Of course, she got uh. the, the very famous uh, Sulu's fencing uh, bit. Yep. I've seen that picture. I've seen the clip for years and years, but it's just not the same. Seeing it in action, seeing him charging down the hallway. With that big fucking Takei grin on his face. It's yep. delightful. There's this great moment where he threatens two of the crew members, and they both sort of look at each other like, what the fuck? <laughs> but one thing I noticed that uh, that you put in uh, in your little observations here was um, some guys just kind of walk by like, yep. <laughs> Morning, Sulu. Yeah. <laughs> Very, uh... <laughs> Another day in the Federation. <laughs> Well, God, it's good to be alive. Certainly another day aboard the Enterprise. <laughs> there, there were some nice character things, though. There were there were some really great, like, uh, Nimoy played Spock kind of losing his shit, I thought, really mm-hmm. well. Like, it was really subtle at first where he's trying to hold it together, and he just kind of stands there and closes his eyes and, like, looks like he's trying to count to ten or something and just mm-hmm. like, no, must not feel, must not feel. It was very cool. Um, I, did, uh, I did some research on this episode. That was all, like, that was all his... Uh, Nimoy's bit, like he uh, yeah, he improved that. A lot of what Spock became, like a lot of the famous stuff that Spock did, is because Nimoy had a lot of Im- input on the character. I know, mm-hmm. like he invented the neck pinch, and oh, that uh, first appearance of that in this episode, yeah. Too. Um, for I think he invented the the live long and prosper, the you know the mm-hmm. the finger thing. Yep. Um, a lot of that stuff came from him because he had clear ideas of how to make this guy a little more alien, and, and uh, really worked. I thought. Mm-hmm. Was this the first appearance of Nurse Chapel? Yes, yes, it was. I think it was uh, Major Barrett, uh, soon to be after this the Mrs. Roddenberry, but at the time she had played number one in the cage. Mm-hmm. Great to see her. Um, not as powerful a character as number one, but still, still great to see her. Nice character. Yeah, um, pining for Spock. I love you, Mister Spock. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. All right, <laughs> please call me Christine. All right, Christine, back the I fuck off. Don't think that's really. The sort of thing I want to be. But I mean, do I have to go. <laughs> I, I got a parrot in the oven. What's that? I, 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 the captain's calling me. I'm coming, Jim. You hear that? <laughs> <laughs> there was, but there was a moment. It might have been her very first on-screen appearance, if not right after, where she and Bones are doing surgery. 
Mm. And there's just like a really natural chemistry. And it's like, he's not talking down to her. Like she's some kind of servant or something. They barely even speak. She's just handing him instruments. And it's a very subtle moment, but it's like, I really get that these two have worked together for a long time and they respect each other. And yeah, exactly. It was just a nice little character moment. Mm. He, uh, he didn't question her. She didn't question him. It was just, it was, it looked like they were really like, I, I, I shouldn't be so surprised that it really looked like they were doing what they're supposed to be doing, but you know. It was nice. It was subtle. Yeah. No, it was good. Now, on the other hand, <laughs> getting away from subtlety. Yeah. You, well, you, you brought up Riley. Oh, my God. We have this guy who – I guess he's Sulu's buddy or something. Well, Chekhov he hasn't to, shown up yet, so – No. Uh, you know. <laughs> and he he starts out on the bridge, and he just goes crazy. Yeah, just, and, and like, half the episode, you hear him singing some Irish ditty in the background. Really badly. There's this great moment where Kirk is just like, God, turn like, turn off. it off. <laughs> yeah. Like, I was dead certain when they finally get him out of engineering, I was certain Kirk was going to just beat the shit out of him. <laughs> and, the, and not even like he's a threat to the crew. He's driving me crazy. Yeah, and he's he's out there making proclamations about how there need to be double portions of ice cream to the entire crew and... Uh, it was pretty funny, but it was I think it was trying a little hard to be funny. Yep. I mean, it, it was funny. A lot of this episode made me laugh for real. Oh, yeah. Even when I knew something, when something was coming, just the timing or the, the wording of a, of a piece of dialogue just made it, you know, even though I'd seen it a million times, it was still funny. Mm-hmm. But God, uh, just, a, just a terrible singer, too. roses all have left your cheeks. I've watched them fade away and die. There's a bit, there, there was one bit where uh, Spock was talking about uh, Sulu. And he said, uh, what did he say? Take D'Artagnan to sick. Oh, yeah. Like, really? That that just seemed kind of out of character. Like, that's kind of sarcastic, a little bit of a pop culture reference. Like, mm-hmm. that, that just didn't feel right to me. I've read your human books, Jim. <laughs> I found them wanting. See, I got the idea of you and me and Bones hanging out all the time from your Earth Three Musketeers. Were you aware that there are, in fact, four Musketeers in this book? <laughs> Look, I'm not bringing Scotty in. Okay, this is this is just the three of us. <laughs> Although, um, <laughs> Scotty's standing outside, a single tear running I'm down his cheek. Standing right here, sir. <laughs> this is why I drink. <laughs> I did notice there's a there's a bit where uh, and and. As we go forward, we can notice if this happens again. There's a bit where Kirk's talking to all his heads of staff, like uh, mm. all his department heads. He's got Scotty there and Spock and Bones, and I think somebody else. And it's like, I thought this started with Picard. I always thought Kirk just made decisions on his own, and he didn't really call staff meetings. So it was kind of cool to see. I sort of get the feeling that later on that's something that got – that's another thing that got done away with. Oh, yeah, he didn't need to li- – you know, he had his two BFFs there. That's all he needed. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Me and my homies. <laughs> Exploring the galaxy. Right. I like Scotty, go find something to do. Oh. oh sad Charlie Brown music as he walks away. <laughs> I liked um I, Scotty's trying to cut in to get uh, Riley out of the, the you know, engineering. And everyone just keeps bugging him. Are you done yet? Can you work faster? Look, if I screw this up, we're gonna destroy the ship. Well you gotta do it faster. Oh maybe if someone would stop coming up here and asking me every five goddamn minutes. And when he finally gets in there and Kirk's working with him, sort of looking over his shoulder, he he just there's a, a Dewan plays it really well. There's this sort of irritated look on his face. And I've been there, man. Like mm-hmm. any job where your boss is like trying to help you because he thinks he knows what he's doing, and it's like, look, you go manage. I'll uh, I'll do the work. Oh no, I'll help yet. you. 
<laughs> have you done it yet? What, what if you push this button? Yeah. I do like that um, the Spock snaps out of the uh, the virus by watching Kirk overact. Like, <laughs> I'll snap anyone out of anything. Yeah, I, I just I, Shatner's just shattering all over the place, and suddenly Spock's like, "Whoa, right, whoa, I'm back. Okay, let's uh, let, let's fix this." I, whoa, hmm. So yeah, that was. That was and then the the time travel ending, which just they they did something just, to the warp yep. engines. It's some kind of techno babble, mm-hmm. and it ended with them traveling. What was it, like three days back in time. Yeah, I guess we discovered time travel. Which they never used that way again. Like, No. Every time they time- traveled through time, it was like slingshot around the sun or something. So I, I don't really, I don't know, did they mean to set something up for later maybe, or did they? Uh, that might be it. I mean, I'm sure that they wanted to, it's a sci-fi show, so I'm sure they wanted to deal with time travel at some point. Plus, you know, they can use all those old, old props that Paramount's got lying around. Well, I'm much like Doctor Who, mm-hmm. you know, if you can't afford to build an alien planet this week, you just... Uh, Raid the prop closet. Mm-hmm. Ah, the gangster planet. <laughs> hey, we got these Roman arches and pillars. A uh, Roman planet. Very well. <laughs> oh, and when uh, when they when Bones finally discovers the cure, there's this part where Spock wa- or where Kirk walks onto the bridge. Bones is standing right next to him. He just rips off his shirt <laughs> and injects him. I just thought that was really funny. Well, you know, a lot of the a lot of the cliches, a lot of the things over the years, like. At this point, we have a whole generation of people who know more Star Trek jokes than they know Star Trek episodes. Exactly. And I keep wondering if they're exaggerations, if maybe Shatner's not as bad as all that. If it, no. Mm-hmm. Most no. Of the, Kirk does rip his shirt, and, and it, he's dead, Jim, happens a lot. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, all that stuff really happens. Oh, one, one other thing I did want to mention. This was uh, one of the behind-the-scenes things I'd seen over the years. Um, Sulu was originally supposed to be uh, using a samurai sword. Do you know this story? I did. I have not heard that. Yeah. And uh, Takei was like, you know, come on, don't, don't, like, he didn't say racist, but he said, don't be, you know, don't just paint me with that broad a brush. I grew up in America. I played swashbuckler like every other kid. I didn't play with a samurai sword. I played with a fencing just, sword. Just because I'm Asian American doesn't mean I know karate. It, it was exactly like that. And uh, it was Roddenberry or one of the, one of the main guys is like, you know what? You're right. You want to, you want to use a fencing sword? You, you go right ahead. That's mm. a good call there. That's I mean, cool. It's cool that Takei was, you know, like at the time, it was it was kind of brave for him to speak up and not just do what he was told. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, come on. If if you want to be sensitive about me being on the ship, let's let's do this right. So I I just I thought that was cool. Yeah, and we we like to point out when they're being racist, when they're being sexist. So I think it's also fair to point out when they try to make an effort are not, not to be. being that. Yeah, because I think we're gonna have a lot less examples of that. <laughs> <laughs> that said, let's move on to the enemy within. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, well, the ship's geologist, who I don't think we've ever seen before and probably never see again, uh, beams up with magnetic goop on his uniform, which somehow alters the transporter, so it splits people into two independently functioning beings, one good, one evil, because these are scientifically valid classifications, <laughs> good and evil, you know, come on. <laughs> uh, so Kirk beams up from an away mission and finds himself split in this manner, and... uh Evil Kirk crouches, wears too much eye makeup, and appears to be where Shatner keeps the bulk of his overacting. <laughs> Good Kirk is subtle and kind-hearted, but weak. He can't make decisions without his more aggressive half. And while the transporter remains out of service, the rest of the away team slowly freezes to death on the planet's surface, since Good Kirk doesn't realize the Enterprise has shuttles, apparently. <laughs> he realizes that they have him, he just can't make the decision to send one down. Launch it? No, oh, I, uh, I can't. He just sort of walks in, stares at it for a couple of seconds, and then leaves. Just sighs. <sighs> mm-hmm. Walks off. 
So after some drinking and attempted rape, Evil Kirk is eventually apprehended, and the two of them are recombined in the transporter. Ooh. So, where to begin? <laughs> the, I, I suppose, there's a lot going on in this one. I, I, I really, I should mention this is the first episode of classic Star Trek I ever saw. I was uh, wow. 14 or 15. A uh, very good friend of the family who got me into a lot of this kind of stuff. Basically, I'm into Star Trek because of this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he passed away a few years ago, and he just he he was uh, he was like an older brother to me. It's just I don't usually get sentimental, but it's like th- I owe this guy a lot. He he introduced me to the show by way of this. He introduced me to the Twilight Zone and a few other things. Um, but I that said, I mocked the guy relentlessly when the little pink poodle or no, it wasn't a poodle, but the little pink dog, some kind of dog with a with a horn. <laughs> look on our look on our cover for a for a depiction of this or um or do a Google search of um uh the enemy within dog mm-hmm. and you'll see this vicious alien creature which when it comes through the transporter and it's evil Sp- Scotty actually says ah that's a vicious creature sir watch and, out for this horn and that's it's that's just it. when I lost it that's just I could not breathe for five minutes because seriously, it's, this is like the first canonical appearance appearance of Nummy Muffin Cuckoo Butter. <laughs> this is true. Now I give them credit when I and, I and I will continue to do this throughout all the Star Trek that we review. I give them credit whenever they try to make an alien creature not be a human with bumps on its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it when it's a rubber mask, when it's a you know a little like something on a string or whatever, I'll be more forgiving just because hey they're trying they're trying to make mm-hmm. it unusual. This, however, <sighs> throw a rag on a dog, we'll be fine. I, I was um I was watching this with uh, with with uh, my child bride Amanda and and as I often do, and she made the remark that uh, it felt like they were uh, Roddenberry wanted to put his dog in the episode. <laughs> Write an episode around my dog. I don't care how you do it. <sighs> All right, let's get it over with. Um, we had Chapel in the last one, so that worked out for him. <laughs> but I, I gotta know. Okay, this this weird alien dog, whatever the hell it is, exists. Fine. Why did they bring it to the? Yeah, planet? they keep like Sulu's holding it, and then he passes it to Kirk, and Kirk cuddles with it for a while. And I mean, Spock I understand play with it. And- I understand for the purpose of the story, having something, having to test your theory on an animal before you try it with a human. That makes sense. That was solid, mm-hmm. like good writing, but. But they never really explained why the dog was on this away mission in the first place. <laughs> they didn't even have it on the – it's always being held. Like they weren't even walking it. It was just in someone's arms at all times. It's Ensign Muffy. <laughs> Ensign Nummy. <laughs> <sighs> okay, so on to the actual yeah. episode. This is basically 50 minutes of Shatner doing what he does best, mm-hmm. which is om nom nom scenery. Um, he gets to prance around and oh wear eye makeup. I'm oh, sure it was his favorite episode. Also, then, there were two of him, so <laughs> there's two of them. <laughs> and then, then there's the attempted rape of Yeoman Rand. Yeah, this was really uncomfortable, especially since I have a kind of a huge crush on Yeoman Rand. And I, then, I, I, you know, and and to each their own. And I'm not going to really make fun of you for your taste there, but. There are a lot hotter 60s-looking girls on the show, as far as I'm concerned. She looks like somebody's mom, even back then. But, uh, I, I, okay. Got that awesome wicker hair. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I guess I can see it. But really, after this episode, uh, why was she still there? Yeah, and then, well, I mean, she left at the end of this season, and you can kind of figure out why. Yeah, but this is like episode four or five. She'll be there for another 20 oh, episodes. Yeah. 
and and looking at it in terms of like the the uh, within the story, this woman was was nearly raped, and and when I say mm-hmm. nearly raped, I don't mean like a safe '60s version of he tried to kiss her hard. He had no, her seriously. pinned on the ground. He was straddling her, holding her down, and like making thrusting motions with his with his uh, hips. <laughs> like it was about as graphic as you could get in 1967 yeah. TV. Um, like this was kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, it was. And and you know I've I've seen much more graphic scenes on modern TV shows, but oh sure, you don't expect this out of Star Trek. You certainly don't expect it from Kirk. Yeah, I mean, of course he's a horn dog, but you get the feeling that you know he likes to mm. charm the women. He doesn't like to yeah, exactly. force himself on them. I mean, the pursuit but, oh. you get you get the feeling the pursuit is is part of the thing. Like he likes to charm mm. them and get them to like him and then bone them. Not not like this. Yeah. It, it really was not like this. <laughs> and and regardless of whether it was his evil twin, whether it was an android duplicate, it doesn't matter what it was. Her commanding officer tried to rape her, mm-hmm. and she just goes back to work the next day like there's nothing wrong. And that, yeah, and like you get the real feeling that everyone's going to try and cover it up. Yeah, there was a lot of Spock and uh, Bones. Like, well, um, maybe we need to rush her away and uh, <laughs> keep Jim over here. And, like, is this standard practice for Starfleet? Is I'm, there no room for women in your world of starship commanders? Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it it was very disturbing. And I it was meant to be disturbing, but I think it ended up being more disturbing than they meant to. And, and there was the scene, uh, going over both our notes before this, I realized we both made the same conclusion where, at the end there, where Spock mm-hmm. had his little speech to her. It's like, uh, oh... <sighs> Basically, like, at the end of the episode, we have uh, Kirk back on the bridge and fine and everything. And Rand comes up to him and is all like, Captain, I just wanted to talk to you about what happened before. And Kirk basically goes, oh, that's all right, Yeoman. No apology necessary. What? Yeah. And then and then Spock says, uh, you have to admit, Yeoman, the imposter had some interesting qualities. What? Yeah. Ugh. Uh, like, uh, not, not only is that out of character for Spock... It's the, maybe it's, the most misogynist thing I have ever heard. Yeah, of. and I spent oh. a lot of time on the internet. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Oh. Overall, though, um, I dramatically I really do like the idea of someone being split into their good and evil halves, and I like the idea that the evil half is really the you know the the motivation, the drive, the commandability. But scientifically, it doesn't make a lick of sense. No. There is no possible a way. Small, a simple soul smear revealed the possibility for evil. <laughs> it's always, it's interesting how the left are sinister twin. <laughs> no, and I'm not even like, it's not a science nerd thing. It's just a basic, the transporter scrambles your molecules and, and basically destroys your body and reassembles it somewhere else. Where, how in your in your molecular makeup do you have an evil half? Yeah, now that sort of... Uh, it's just internal logic I'm after. I'm not after actual science. I don't care. Throw some technobabble in there, but this... Uh, but that's I mean, there's a, there, there's a way to scientific to science it up a little bit so it sounds like... Not plausible, but so that it works on Star Trek. Yeah, but I just... I mean, that part bugged me, but, uh, you know, again, dramatically, I liked, I liked the idea. I liked the overall idea. I liked... Mm-hmm. I really liked how uh, Spock sort of covered for him. Like for for weak good Kirk, mm-hmm. when he realizes you know that that Kirk can't lead without his other half, and uh, and Spock's got to cover for him. He did a really good job. They, they again good character stuff with their friendship. Yeah. Um, and Spock had a really great speech where uh, he says, uh, "Well, basically, I have to live like this all the time." Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I, I'm split in two constantly, and this is a constant war for me. So uh, I get what you're going through, man. It was just, it was a nice nice little moment. Mm-hmm. And um, it's it's odd, but really, Evil Kirk seems to be all of Shatner's overacting. Like he's just blind rage and just screaming and you know being really abrupt. But Good Kirk was really subtle. Yeah, like that was actually some some decent acting there. And there's a bit where he sort of staggers back. And he can't decide, and, and he has this line, is somebody make the decision? And it just actually felt kind of powerful. Yeah, it was, re- like, it was really good. Yeah, Kurt, and, Shatner can act if you give him the, if you force him to. Yeah, and, and we found out, and, and we'll mention this when we get to, like, Wrath of Khan, but um, mm. there are directors who realize that you just need to push Shatner through, you know, past his overacting, and there's a decent actor on the other side of that. Mm-hmm. His, it's just that his initial instinct is to overact. But yeah, overall, I mean, good episode dramatically, ridiculous episode conceptually, and yeah. then there's the whole rape thing. Yeah. Oh, and then the credits come up, and it's written by Richard Matheson. Yes, Richard Matheson, who is a great, like, 60s sci-fi horror writer. I got a bunch of his books. Yeah, he wrote uh, I Am Legend. Yeah. Yeah, among other things. Um, That's one thing a few guys here and there wrote for, uh, for Star Trek, and we'll get to more of those as we go. Certainly get to Harlan Ellison. Yeah, well... For all his flaws, whatever, he did write a, a beloved episode, and he was a big name in sci-fi. Like, yes. you got to at least say that. Um, That's true. Larry Niven, whose stuff I'm really into right now, uh, mm-hmm. wrote a really good episode of the animated series. Like, they tried to reach out to the sci-fi community of the time and get some of the bigger names in sci-fi, and some of mm. them – I think it was Ray Bradbury might have been involved with, like, the development of the motion picture, and they ended up not using any of his stuff. Wow. No, I I just th- I think it was like his stuff wasn't compatible with Star Trek. Like he was trying to make it too. Ah, uh, okay, yeah, that makes sense. something like it wasn't that it was bad, or they even that they they mistakenly said it was bad. It just didn't fit. Mm. But because I, I mean, my first thoughts are you went with you had Ray Bradbury and you went with the motion picture. <laughs> well, it's going to be a while till we get to that movie, but um, there's a lot of reasons it turned out the way it did. But we'll mm. we'll talk about that when we get. Yeah. Overall, though, this was a this was a a couple of solid episodes. They, they were goofy, they were ridiculous, but these are very much two iconic episodes of this series. Oh, absolutely. And it was cool that we got to watch them both together like that. Yeah. I mean, usually we try to divvy up, like, okay, Matt, you watch this one, I watch this one. It was a hard choice, because they're both... Just, <laughs> there's yeah, a lot to say about them, and yeah, they're exactly. great and ridiculous, and... Yeah. Quite good. Yes. So, uh, you, got a, you got a quote for... Uh, I do. My... Uh, where did I put that? Uh, this comes when... Uh... <laughs> Shirtless Sulu is freaking the fuck out on the bridge. I'll protect you, fair lady. Sorry, neither. So that's uh, that's Uhura there. Being being awesome. Yeah, nice nice little subtle. I actually missed that line. It's a good catch. Um very nice. And and you mentioned um uh in our in our pre-show that uh the 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 supporting cast seems a lot more a part of the show now. Yeah, Sulu's a really funny guy. He is when they're stranded on the on the planet in um The Enemy Within. He's making just a lot of I mean they're kind of corny jokes, but it's nice to see him just like facing death and making well, yeah, jokes about it. Yeah, he's dying. Yeah. And like he's like where's room service with our coffee? Like just <laughs> goofy little jokes. That was that like, was nice. Like if there's one thing that if that I realized from watching these early episodes, I really like Sulu, and that yeah. sort of goes away as you know as the show becomes more about Kirk, Spock, and Bones. And I mean, yeah. you know, I'm not saying I don't like those guys, but I was it say, would... do not uh, do not besmirch the Holy Trinity. No, l- no, listen, but 
I, like I, I really like the rest of the support of the supporting crew, and I like yeah. the smaller cast members. Like uh, I like Chapel, I like uh, Yeoman Rand, sure, Ensign Ricky, Ensign Jimmy, Ensign, Ensign Ricky, Ensign Jimmy, <laughs> all the various Ensigns. No, I agree with you. <laughs> the ship's Leprechaun, <laughs> and I actually think um, early on that uh, Uhura was a lot more a part of the show. Like mm-hmm. I know later on, she wanted to quit because she felt like all she ever did was open hailing frequencies, but early on, um, in the naked time. There's there's a bit where um, half the crew's incapacitated, and she takes over the helm. Mm-hmm. And then she takes over, it wasn't the science station, but another one of the major stations. Like, she is trained to do all the jobs on the bridge, apparently. Yeah. Which, I, I never knew that. I thought she was just a communications expert. It was very cool to see her fully capable of doing what everyone else did. Yeah, absolutely. And it's too bad that she felt, you know, sort of marginalized later on. But, uh, well, for I mean, a while, the yeah. showrunners kept all of her fan mail from her. I, that I didn't know. Uh, yeah, I, I I had her biography ah. back when I was a kid. Yeah, no, I knew I knew there was that bit where she wanted to quit, and then Martin Luther King came to her. Yeah, and said, uh, "Please don't. You're you're a role model. We need you." But I mean, one of the other one of the other reasons she was going to stay was because she didn't think anyone was watching, and it was because the uh, the showrunners had been keeping all her fan mail. See that? I had no idea. Yeah, I really didn't. Um, okay, so so for my episode, my my chosen quote is a bit. Um, well, let's say it's a bit over the top. Repeat. I'm the imposter is not to be injured. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain Kirk. I'm Captain That, of course, is Evil Kirk with his "I'm Captain Kirk." Something's wrong with the, I think something might be wrong with the captain. Nah, he's fine. He just tried to rape Rand. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> all right, on to in the future. In the future. In the future, all female crew members will wear their hair loosely about the shoulders. <laughs> per a proclamation from Captain Riley. <laughs> I, I couldn't not use that one. Oh, absolutely. No, um, in the future, everyone enjoys the occasional trip to the bowling alley, even on the Enterprise. Actually, it's funny. He he did mention the bowling alley when he's rambling on in his Irish brogue. Um, there there was a bowling alley. We never got to see it, but uh, like in there, seven, when they when they put out uh, like the blueprints of the ship and the the you know the technical manuals and all that stuff, there's a bowling alley. Um, further, there is a Commodore sixty four game that I played with uh, with a friend of mine. Where you can wander the ship, like all the different decks or whatever, and the bowling alley. Oh, really? There, yeah. <laughs> I I didn't realize that until uh, until my friend said, "Hey, check this out. There's a bowling alley on on deck, whatever." Huh. Very well. Scotty set up a team when he found out that Kirk, Spock, and Bones weren't going to let him into their club. <laughs> I'll show them <laughs> the stereotypes. The engineering higher rollers will put you in your place. <laughs> Okay, um, and and for me, for the enemy within, in the future, in the future. dogs will be replaced by dog-like creatures with horns. <laughs> Just could not let that one go. <laughs> All right, so uh, looks like we don't have any mail this week, but uh, mm-hmm. if you ever want to shoot us a letter, it is uh, podcast at postatomichorror.com. Uh, we've had a look at the, the listener numbers, and they're actually a bit higher than we expected, so we appreciate you listening. Um, keep checking the show out. Tell people you know... If if they might like it, that uh, give it you know, a survive uh, review on iTunes. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, keep uh, keep doing that thing. 
So that's it from us. Keep, keep fucking that space dog. <laughs> all right. That's, that's all from us for this week. See you folks. The post-atomic horror podcast is published weekly and is available via iTunes or on the web at postatomichorror.com. This program is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham and all original material contained herein is their intellectual property unless otherwise noted. All clips and references from Star Trek and related media are used without permission from CBS, Viacom, and or Paramount Pictures. Fair use is assumed for the purposes of review and parody, and the aforementioned co-producers do not receive any form of profit for this effort. Listener feedback can be sent to podcast at postatomichorror.com. An on-air response is guaranteed.